This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Newcastle Systems, a leading producer of mobile computer workstations for warehouses and distribution facilities. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company. But now, on to the podcast. It has walls, racks, and product. Everything else about a warehouse today is up for grabs. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The modern-day warehouse is under intense pressure to change. It's no longer a place where inventory sits around for long periods of time, acting as a drag on company balance sheets. Warehouses and distribution facilities today have to service a dynamic selling environment, driven by e-commerce and intensifying customer demands for rapid delivery. At the same time, warehouse operations are confronting a critical shortfall of workers to do that job. So how are they responding? Today, I'm speaking with Kevin Ledversus, Director of Sales with Newcastle Systems. We'll talk about the big challenges facing warehouses today, including the need for staff, the rising cost and shrinking availability of space, and new technology tools that can help to address these concerns. And we'll look at how the very definition of what constitutes a warehouse is changing. So here is my conversation with Kevin Ledversus. Kevin Ledversus, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. I want to talk about some of the labor and capacity challenges that we are seeing in distribution centers today, perhaps as a byproduct of a strong economy. I'm not sure. We can talk about reasons, but sum up for me what some of those big challenges are as you see them today, please. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, one issue with labor, you hit it on the head, is great economy going on and unemployment is extremely low. So, Warehouses in general have a real challenge on their hand. They have a almost a million job openings right now they can't fill. So a lot of the issue is they're competing with retail and on other sort of similar pay scales, and it's a challenge. I mean, peak season's coming up any week now, and they have a heck of a time getting temporaries to fill those roles. And the old-style form of warehouse work, I guess, is seen by a lot of workers today as being very numbing, repetitive, boring, not particularly attractive, right? Exactly. In fact, millennials, not to segment any generation, but they have clearly decided they prefer not to do this type of work. And the average age right now of a warehouse worker is well past 40. So people are getting tireder, and yet e-commerce keeps growing, so there's going to be a need, and automation doesn't solve everyone's problems simply because they don't have the budget. So people are still going to be a big, big part of the component, including Amazon, who's adding people all the time. Yeah, and gigantic fulfillment centers, so never have we more needed bodies to fill these facilities than we do now, right? Exactly. And then what about actual capacity of the facilities themselves? Mm -hmm. Now, again, Amazon's opening gigantic facilities of its own, but is there a space crunch at D.C.'s in general around the country? Yeah, absolutely. There are pockets in the country, Texas, California, 
the Midwest, Georgia. Big companies all have regional distribution centers now just so they can get to their customers quicker. But in places like California, warehouse space is becoming more valuable than office space just because there's just not that many large buildings, especially around Los Angeles. So some of the customers that I've dealt with, they have four, five, six buildings. And now trying to manage inventory in six buildings is very difficult. That's a problem. The other issue is just in general, they are outgrowing their space because thankfully e-commerce is growing double digits and people involved in that space, they need more room to handle the volume. And is it exclusively a case of just needing space for so-called mega facilities? On the other hand, we hear about distributors wanting to be closer to their end customers because of mm-hmm. the need to deliver so quickly. So doesn't that mean more and smaller facilities needed around the country as well? Yeah. The more you read, the more you see there are going to be different sort of versions of what is a warehouse. So yeah, a lot of retail stores are using their own stores as fulfillment centers. And a lot of people are talking about vertical storage, perhaps repurposing old brownfield sites in cities. So the 1 million square foot warehouse in a cornfield is great, but it doesn't solve the problem of, say, Manhattan. How do you get stuff into Manhattan faster? So let's talk about how technology can be brought to bear on this. Traditional warehousing was extremely manual, but at the same time, it's also been a source of one of the most forward-looking innovative approaches. This industry has been extremely innovative in terms of adopting automation. Where are we now on that curve? Can you generalize about just how technology has transformed the whole world of DCs and warehouses? As a typical rule, Amazon is obviously our early adopters in technology. They've used robotics for many years. Most warehousing, unfortunately, are slow adopters. And 30% of these sites don't even have warehouse management software. They're using pens and paper. So they are slow to adopt, but the companies that can afford automation, they are spending heavily because they have to handle that capacity. And barcode technology is still one of the hottest innovative tools that these guys are using because it's affordable and it's got a great payback. But you'll start seeing more and more technologies coming down. A lot of people just need robots because they can't get people anymore. That's the reality of labor. When you say barcode, are you talking about just traditional barcoding Mm -hmm. as opposed to RFID and and 3D types of labels and more sophisticated stuff? We're still kind of almost using that legacy technology to a great degree? Yeah, legacy technology, it's tried and true. And again, if you're one of the 30% that don't have it, then you're way behind the times. I'm not sure you can even survive. But Companies are sort of starting to update their older barcode legacy technology into faster tools. So it's a great, simple investment for these guys. And that's really the most common, the number one investment tool that they see for technology innovation is barcoding. We talked about there earlier about the definition of a warehouse is changing, but also what goes on inside the four walls once you get that warehouse in terms of design and layout. Can you talk a little bit about how the inside of a warehouse looks different today and how technology has enabled a new approach to where things are put and what they look like and where the racks are and where the people are and all that? You need to maximize your cube. So if your cube is whatever, say a million square feet, I mean, if you walk into the more modern facilities. I mean, there's a lot of conveying. They're trying to reduce touches and motion, mainly, and and paperwork. Those are the three sins of any warehouse. You're going to see automation. You're going to see pick to light, put to light, robotics, anything you can do to drive the cost of labor down, but also to speed up the flow of order. The order cycle times, there's a lot of pressure when Amazon is shipping things in two days, getting to your house in two days. You need to compete with that. 
So you got to get better and faster internally. So laying out your warehouse properly by having inventory that's, for instance, high popularity needs to be as close as possible to the pick zones. And so a lot of money spent in picking because picking represents 50% of the labor cost. So I see a lot of investment mainly in picking right now because that's where the ROI is. And the placement of products within the warehouse aren't necessarily geared anymore to what a human might consider to be logical. I mean, the systems seem to have their own logic as to where things should be and how mm-hmm. easy they should be to reach at any given time, right? Exactly. I mean, the better companies use their WMS to direct put away. So a person who's actually putting goods away knows where to put it without having to think about it. And it all has logic behind it. And so... It's really important to have those systems in place to be competitive. And what about the trend of just how long a given product resides in a warehouse before mm-hmm. it goes out the door again? I mean, certainly we have the cross-stock idea where something virtually mm-hmm. spends no time at all, goes in one door and out the other. But on the other hand, we do need warehouses to store stuff, but it doesn't stick around as long as it used to because it's a lot of inventory weighing down your books, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, inventory, you talk to a CFO of any company, inventory is cash and it, and it will kill your bottom line. So. Yeah, I mean, you want to get your turns up as high as you can. And to do that, again, that warehouse has to have capacity that is turning constantly. So you need to increase capacity so you can increase inventory turns. And that's why the automation comes into play. That's why barcode scanning and WMS is so critical, because the faster you can take that good and ship it, that goes right to your bottom line. Otherwise, you just have money sitting on shelves. What do you think about the pace of technological innovation in warehouses in the United States versus the rest of the world? And the reason I ask that, because I have the impression that in Europe, Europe has always been a little bit ahead of the curve vis-a-vis U.S. warehouses in terms of things like lights-out warehouses, total automation, or degree of automation. Is that the case? And if so, why? Yeah, I don't I don't really know why I do agree with you. I mean if you if you see a lot of the videos coming down the pike from companies like DHL and whatnot, they're doing a lot of pilot testing and I don't know, maybe it's because the square footage isn't as great, so maybe they can isolate those projects better. But we're catching up. I mean, obviously, if you go into an Amazon or some real top-tier company, it's impressive. But I think in Europe, yeah, they're using a lot of interesting things that I've watched recently. I was watching a company doing grocery delivery. It was 100% automated. So I'm not sure why they're ahead of the curve there, but I'm sure we'll get there because you have to. You have to compete. Yeah, well, one of the theories is that in Europe, labor availability and cost up to this point has been more expensive than in the U.S., but now we're talking about it going up here as well. So maybe we're just catching up with them in terms of the labor situation. Therefore, we have to follow them in, in, in terms of innovation as well, right? I don't even know if it's about cost anymore. We're part of the Warehouse Education Resource Council community, and we're going on a tour in a couple weeks. There, and a company uses robotics. And interesting, this, this CIO said, we don't have robots because of cost. We have robots because we simply couldn't get people. Hmm. So if you have nobody to do the job anymore, you need to find an alternative solution. On the other hand, we hear of a lot of warehouses successfully deploying the idea of robots and humans working side by side, each one doing what it does best. That does seem to be the stronger trend Mm -hmm. as opposed to total automation, right? There definitely, it's a growing trend. I mean, in fact, if you go to the ProBat show or the Modex show, you know, the largest material handling shows in the world, you'll start to see more and more companies selling collaborative robots or cobots. So it's great because the picking function is sort of you have a human being intelligent enough to pick something into the right bin but the travel time back and forth to a packing station it disappears when you can have collaborative robots and so it's a great way to use technology it's fairly affordable for what i know an average cost of a robot's about thirty thousand dollars far less than a human being 
So you have this goods to person idea where the goods actually come to you and you don't have to travel all over the place to get to them, right? That's right. Exactly. The yeah. pickers stay in their pick zone and they do value-added work, which is picking the correct items and being able to articulate different size parts. But the actual non-value-added work, which is the walking back and forth, gets eliminated. As the technology becomes more sophisticated, however, what issues arise in the area of worker training? Are these systems harder or easier to learn on? Do they take longer for workers to come up to speed on very sophisticated systems? The companies who are designing these today are taking that into account. I can tell you with robotics, for picking robots, they claim, and again, is not our product line that we're experts in, but they claim that they can have a robot fully functional in like a day's time with very little training. You mentioned earlier that we're right on the verge of the peak season, at which point many warehouses have to ramp up a lot more in terms of the bodies within the four walls. Mm -hmm. What issues does that create, though, in terms of those temporary workers coming online and very quickly being able to handle the technology and the training necessary in a, in a very short time. Yeah, it's hard. A lot of them are doing sort of the low-skilled positions that they need, just grabbing a box and putting on a conveyor or just moving goods to handle the volume. So realistically, they're not going to be on staff for long. So they don't really invest a ton of time training. So they, they're usually not integrating with technology that much that I can see. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they have to be involved in someone. If, if it's a robot and you're picking into a robot, you need to know how to interact with that. If robots can be brought up so quickly and they're mm -hmm. increasingly taking on more tax, I wonder if going forward in the future, there'll be less of a need to ramp up in terms of human bodies during peak season. The robots can be brought on very quickly. I think it, with any product in the world that you see that starts to, the demand starts to increase, the cost starts to go down, and then it becomes more affordable. One thing you have to take into account is that the average distribution center roughly has two hundred to $250,000 to spend. Think about that. You can get eight robots and nothing else for the year. So that's the challenge. But as they drop in cost, I think more and more and more of these are going to be integrated into systems. I want to talk about more specifically the technology of mobile power technology, mobile computer workstations. What is the state of the art there? How has that evolved over the years to where it is today? First and foremost, it was sort of the adoption of the technology to begin with. I mean, wireless technology has been around for years, but all of the typical barcode technology printers, for instance, have been static. And so with us, we advocate making your workers more mobile so they're not traveling back and forth to fixed stations. So getting people over that curve, thankfully, we're growing every year and people are starting to get it. But technology-wise, it's the batteries more than anything. Lithium-iron phosphate batteries or hot swap of batteries allowing the distribution centers to run 24-7. So the bigger companies with growth of e-commerce and capacity, they don't shut down. They need something that can run 24-7. So that's the biggest addition in this technology in years. When I hear of mobile computer workstation as a phrase, it almost seems like a contradiction in terms because mobile implies, of course, mobility. Workstation mm -hmm. implies something that's rather fixed. So mm -hmm. what is it? Are these movable kinds of assets or are they fixed within the warehouse or what do they look like exactly? You think of your desk being on wheels. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. So the typical tools that a person in a warehouse needs is some type of a computer, some type of a barcode printer, some type of a scanning tool, maybe a scale. So any tool that they normally need for their function, all they're doing is making it mobile so that they can now go to where the work is and they don't need to bring the work to their station. So yeah, there are different form factors. Some are small, some are big. But at the end of the day, it's all about taking your tools with you where you need to go. 
And what do you think is going to be the hottest, most interesting, most innovative piece of technology that might affect warehouse operations in the future that isn't necessarily taking place now or is just starting now? It's a great question. I wish I had the answer to that. I think labor is not going to be a problem that's going to disappear unless we have a massive downturn in the economy and then we start having an increase in unemployment they're going to have a hard time getting people. So any tool you can offer a warehouse to make labor less painful, I think that's what you're going to see. But on the other hand, we got to start treating our people better. If you want to retain your workers, you need to start paying them better. So the average wage is somewhere in the 10 to $14 range. Studies have shown that a simple increase in pay of $2 an hour will typically keep people. Simple things like that can be done immediately, and you want to keep your good people for sure. But I think any technology that's coming down the pike that's going to, I hate to say, eliminate people is going to be well-received, especially if it's affordable. Kevin, tell me a little bit about the history and mission of Newcastle. Systems. It's a great story. Our owner started this in his basement about 13 years ago, and his initial idea was for test equipment in factories to become mobile. So that was sort of his general idea, but what he learned quickly was that that was not really the market that people wanted our tools for. They really wanted in the warehouse space, mainly for receiving trucks. So when trucks come in, they offload their pallets, and all of those boxes have to get labeled. Traditionally, they were walking to a static station, which could be literally hundreds of feet away. And so when they started to measure the time that was taking, it could be up to four hours a day, just wasted walking. So our product fit really nicely into the warehouse space, which is where 95% of these things end up receiving, picking, and shipping. So simple applications, and the whole design is all about reducing motion. And then uh, people reduce motion. They find that their metrics start going up because they're actually working now as opposed to just walking around their building all day. So how did the company differentiate itself in a marketplace that I'm sure was pursuing similar solutions at other companies? Our market is it's narrow by all means. Again, most people, the biggest issue is they don't realize that there is a solution out there. They have been using static workstations and warehouses for many, many years, especially printers. So they've had handheld computers, but they never really knew about taking a printer and making it mobile. So outreach is important for us to try to grow the awareness. Some people have tried making their own and failed. Others have just, as extension cords, they've tried different things. But honestly, until they find us, they've been living with some type of homemade solution. I think an extension cord is probably not the best solution in today's mobile and Bluetooth-enabled world. So I just want to get a quick idea of what one of these computer workstations that Newcastle produces consists of. You say a printer, you say a, a handheld device, of a keyboard. I mean, what are the various things that go into this piece of technology? What we're providing is a means to make those devices mobile. So the customer provides their own tools, typically anything they need to power, and we're just adding the mobility factor to it. So the cart itself comes with, obviously, wheels and different shelving and different accessories like uh, LCD holders or keyboard trays or scanner holders. And then, of course, the battery technology to power all of the stuff that is on that cart. And some of our carts are 18 inches wide. Some are four feet wide. And it just depends on the application, what the customer wants to do. 
And where do you see your own technology going? What types of innovations and bells and whistles would you like to add to your own solution going forward? Some of our bigger customers have lots and lots of these carts. So one of the challenges they faced is seeing how many carts they have, where they are, and measuring the battery capacity. So we're working towards maybe measuring the capacity of the batteries and the life of the battery and, and just monitoring that and giving it back to the people who need to know that. Other things, long-range we're trying to evaluate what people want to make it easier for the laborer. So maybe a lighter cart, easier to use carts, follow me technology, so the cart would actually follow the worker around. Anything we can do to reduce fatigue and help improve ergonomics. Well, speed and efficiency, capacity and volume are all going to be ramping up in the years ahead. I think we can easily predict that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Kevin, it's really interesting to hear you talk about some of the challenges that DCs and warehouses are facing today and some of the technological solutions out there, including a look at Newcastle Systems' own solutions. I want to thank you so much for being with me today to talk about these crucial issues. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate your time. That was my conversation with Kevin Ledversus of Newcastle Systems, talking about the challenges of operating the modern-day warehouse. We thank Newcastle Systems for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where you post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.